This is Ryan Smith, the founder of The Advisor. And if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Strezza with The Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to The Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey everyone, today we've got the founder of The Advisor, Ryan Smith. He talks about working on your business versus in your business. Ryan explains how he helps his clients understand the current sphere of their already existing network. And Ryan dives into how we are able to separate our emotions from a specific experiences throughout our life. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do that, we have got the founder of The Advisor, Ryan Smith. Ryan, hey, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. When the listeners today realize all the value that you're bringing and they want to reach out to you, what's the best place personally or through social that they can connect with you? Probably the best thing that they can do is if they want to reach me is actually on Voxer. Ryan Smith Advisor on Voxer. Hit me up. I'm there. I love asynchronous communication because it allows us each to work in our own timeframes. And it's a secure and private place to actually have conversations. There's an easy, yeah. And you know, you and I were talking about that right before. It's one of your favorite places to uh, to jam. And we'll put that in the, the show notes below, but they can also find you, whether it's through email, through social, whatever it is, but Voxer is the preferred place because you can hear that tonality in someone and what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's like having that that conversation, but you're not right there all the time. But yes, uh, you know, and you don't have to be on 24 hours. That's what I love about it. It's like, it's, you know, there's not an expectation of, oh my gosh, it was five minutes later and he hasn't gotten back with me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, well, let's jump into it. Um, You know, our ability to learn and have access to people has drastically changed over the last five, 10 years. When you and I were younger, textbooks, teachers, then friends, family, parents, coworkers, but that's a sliver of what is possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? Man, it's uh, so early days. Yeah. I, you know, I went the traditional route of, uh, college education, uh, was trying to go into computer science and engineering, ended up going into uh, physical education and got a master's degree in exercise science. And then, you know, there was that that whole like education thing. And then there's like this whole world of like certifications, like, which is probably one I could, I could spend days talking about how bogus most of that is, but uh, it's about egos and uh, baseline education that people use for marketing, but that's a whole other thing, right? But there's, I've spent 30 years of working through different things of, for me, it really becomes, how do I dive into something? Actually, how do I, you know, integrate this into my life? So actually, I learned probably 10 years out of school that I had no idea of actually how money flowed and money worked. So I went and became a stockbroker for 10 years and I was a compliance officer and I was uh, and I was a registered options principal. So I traded things and I did the compliance part of it. So I had to understand how money flowed. And I also worked with high network 
worth individuals. So it's like the people that had millions of dollars in there and working with them and understanding how they worked with money was probably the game changer more than college could ever do for me for the the way money worked. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of goes back to the opening line of what I say, we learn, you know, through other people's experiences. And that's what it really sounds like how you were able to get a, a wrap around how money flow, where it began, how it was created, what to do with it, and then kind of go from there. Do you still, uh, do you take those life lessons and utilize that in what you do today? Absolutely. And I had entrepreneurial parents, they owned small businesses and, but they owned small businesses or small businesses owned them. Right. So that was, um, and I learned and I learned a lot. I knew that I didn't want to necessarily like always work for a corporation. I learned that independence from them, but I didn't know how that all the aspects of it worked without to not just be small. So I needed to learn how the people that thought bigger knew how to think bigger. So yeah, those, those lessons were huge and they still definitely they've added up over the years and they play huge into what I do and how do I, and how I advise and how I work with people. You, you mentioned something in there that really stood out at me is they either own small businesses or small businesses own them. And that's something that I've come to a realization over the last couple of years is you either work on your business or you work in your business. And, and can you, can you differentiate that from your own family life experiences of working on versus in? Yeah, I think, yeah, the in is where you go in and you're really trading that time for dollars, right? It's the, whether you are an employee or whether you are the owner that as goes into the, does the job every day, right? So you're paying yourself, but really you may own the business, but you are the employee of the business. And so the ups and downs of the business all has that effect on you and you, but there's not the freedom that most people want out of owning a business. So whereas if you're working on your business, you're doing things that are actually helping you to apply it, to grow it, to learn from it, to change it, to whatever that is that you need to do versus you just trading the times for dollars in your business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lesson that business owners across the board, it takes time to learn. And sometimes, hey, you might have to step back in that business. And that's okay. But the, you know, the quicker you can get working on the business, you can make a, a bigger impact and not be an employee of, of what you've built. So love that you, uh, that you dove a little bit deeper for that on there. All right. So we've got more ways to take in information than ever before. You know, some people learn from mentors, masterminds, coaches, accountability partners, and online courses. Lots of ways to learn, obviously. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you connect with them? Yeah. So one of the the biggest people that I'm learning from and that has been the biggest uh, influence recently on me has been obviously our our mentor, uh, Steve Sims, right? So that's how we connected at uh, at the Speakeasy. But that one went back to his book. Like I, you know, following Joe Polish and following all of um, several other influencers of people that have influenced me in business and like it got me to think bigger. I picked up his book when it first came out because of them, right? So I have an original hardbound version of the, of the book, right? And when, but I put it on the shelf and I didn't read it. 
it wasn't time until that for me to actually read that book yet. And then when I picked up the book and in it and I read it and I immediately reread it and then I immediately reread it again because there were so many things in between the words that he said that resonated with me. It was the attitudes, the thinking, and all of those things versus here's the strategies of how you become successful, right? That was what really kind of resonated with me and actually dove me into that whole, the rabbit hole that is the speakeasy life um, and connecting with people like you. Then uh, probably the other person, like I, I love like the mind, the neuroscience, the brain, like understanding how we think, why we think, how we influence, how we manipulate all of those things and influence and manipulation are two sides of the same coin, right? So uh, Chase Hughes, I don't know if you know who Chase Hughes is, but he is a 20-year former naval intelligence officer that actually wrote several books. One's called The Ellipsis Manual, and it really is about how do you read body language? How do you influence people? How do you change people? Because he would actually have to like work with getting people to like literally um, go against their country, right? So to commit treason in an hour or less, because you would have to have those kind of conversations. So, you know, and these are life or death situations. So how do you actually work with these people and actually change them and get them to do something that they normally wouldn't do? So understanding how the brain works, how cults work, how like all of this stuff that goes, right? How do you help people? How do you use all this information to help people change? Yeah. And a common thing, the theme that comes back when I, you know, who are you working with, who are you networking with is it's almost like you digest something that they've done and then you continue to do that because of the impact that it makes. And then you reach out to that person mm-hmm. and, and we'll get into, you know, the accessibility of people and why it's so much easier today and why you need to, it's not even like stepping out on a ledge or on a branch and waiting for it to break. They'll be there. Mm-hmm. If, if if you're involved in their world and what they're doing and vice versa, they'll end up involved in your world in some form or fashion. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest uh, misconceptions about mentors. Like we talk about mentorship, right? So mentors are not people that you necessarily typically pay to help you. Mentors are somebody that you have added enough value that they're willing to invest in you and their ROI is your success. Versus having somebody that is a coach, business coach, advisor, whatever that is. And that's somebody that you're investing in so that you get an ROI. So I think there's a distinction between having a mentor and adding value to get that from them and to learn from them versus actually just saying, hey, teach me what you need and teach me what I need to do to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I think both have their their areas. I've, I've had mentors for decades, but mm-hmm. realized the coaching and the mastermind world just, you know, recently in the last, last few years. So, all right. A, a lot of people, they, they get stuck and, and they don't know how to execute what's, what's in their head. And we're still going through a pandemic. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel that this is allowing for a reset in how we're able to accomplish things. How have masterminds helped you when you're looking to reset yourself and how you get unstuck? Right. Yep. I was involved in some masterminds, I don't know, like early to mid 2000, like late maybe 2009 to 2013 that were really just certifications. And they were in a, but I met some awesome people that were in there that I still have lifelong relationships with, right? So the mastermind themselves was not for those back in that day, were not necessarily the thing that impacted me. It was the people that were it that impacted me. And the same thing now, it's the education I can get 
that's in a mastermind. But again, it's the relationships of the people around me that I build. That is the absolute most valuable thing that I can get out of it. The connection that you and I have, the connection that several other people that um, that I've developed with from the speakeasy that we are at, um, other masterminds, those are lifelong relationships that I continue to build. I've never been one of those people that builds like huge relationships that's over a, over a long period of time, but I do pick very specific ones that are that are impactful in my life and I can get to be impactful in their life too. Yeah. And that's the big thing you just said right there, impactful in your life and you can be impactful in their life. It's a symbiotic relationship. And sometimes it's 60, 30, 70, 40, 70, 30, 60, 40. I think I messed up the math there, but it's important to make sure that it's it's a two-way street. So, um, you know, speaking of masterminds, they've been around for a while. Probably the first one was the apostles, if you really think about it. And then Benjamin Franklin, he, excuse me, he creates the, uh, the Junto club or the leather apron club. And then there's this guy by the name of Napoleon Hill. Don't know if you heard of him, but he really solidifies it. And he writes a book, you know, Mm -hmm. centering what masterminds are as there continues to be such a large boom in self-education. Where do you see the parallels going between self-education versus standardized education? Right. Yeah. It's almost in some ways goes back to the pre-university days of apprenticeships. And it is the, right, so it's standardized education versus the formal education, right? It's like, which formal education to me really is the the apprenticeship. Here's, if you're going to be a carpenter, here's how we do it. If you're going to be a business owner, here's how we do it. Because many times in that, the standardized education of the university setting, you have people that are teaching it that may or may not have actually been out in the world to do it. Right. So it's the here's how and we're, we've got the lists and here's how we've done it and here's the research studies of how we do it. But yet we've never applied it. So I think it, it is that applied versus standardized. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, do you want to work with someone that um, I was talking to someone the other day? Do you want to work with the engineer that it can, that it can explain why the bike moves forward? Or do you mm-hmm. want to work with the person that just gets on the bike and goes? Right. Yep. Which one? Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, typically when someone invests in their future, they've got a better than vague idea of what the outcome could be. What should people expect when they start working with you and enter Ryan's reality? Yeah. So there's, there's a few things that are that's going to happen with them. Number one, they're going to understand the people that are around them and the people that are in their sphere of influence, because that sphere, that sphere of influence is going to be one of the big keys to, to their success. And do those people that are in their sphere of influence actually have their best interest in, or have, you know, that person's best interest in mind, right? So if you think about from we see it a lot of times in professional athletes, right? They'll have professional athletes that are now making big chunks of money, whatever that looks like. And then you're going to see the people that are in that surrounding are there people that are the, I don't know, you call them leeches, right? So that there are people that really come in that are like trying to live off of that person's influence and the fact that they've got big chunks of money and are they helping them do the right thing and to grow and to be better? Or are we, or do we have the right people that are in there that, again, that's really pushing them to be better, really helping them to grow, looking at their, you know, um, again, they're the personal advisors that are in there. So whether it's financial advisors, whether it's attorneys, whatever it is that are guiding them in the right direction, or if they found the ones that are like cutting the corners and doing the things that are 
while they may grow for a period of time, it's going to come back to bite them in the butt at some point in time, right? Yeah. And so it's if, if I'm understanding that, you're taking what their current sphere is and helping mm-hmm. them explain, do we have challengers? Do we have cheerleaders? Do we have crabs and what order they need to be in and what you need to get rid of and what you might want to bring in? Exactly. In, in that yeah, exactly. And that's partly looking at the the body language, looking at what the people are saying, the linguistics of it. So that's a that's a big part of what it is. Part of it is also we have these traumas, right? So we talk about with the military, with PTSD and all of that, we all have traumas. We are all wearing a mask. We all have traumas and we are all in some ways I don't like to say broken, but we we all have damage, right? So no matter who it is, and we're all trying to hide that stuff um, until we address it. And until we overcome a lot of it, um, whatever those things are, we, we're not going to do it. And that's, uh, that's some neuroscience, that's some psychology, that's some hypnosis. I've got a background in hypnosis as well. So it's like, how do we take those skills and help you to overcome those things that are holding you back, right? If you're, if you're like, hey, right, I'm making $500,000 a year and I want to make a million dollars a year. I'm making a million dollars a year and I want to make $100 million a year. There's some mental challenges, excuse me, this, there's some mental challenges that are there that, that some blocks or some thump, something that's holding you back. So how do we, how do we overcome those? Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I feel that people have a way of surprising us from time to time, whether it's their willingness to learn their ingenuity, their grit, their grind, whatever that is. Give us a success story of someone that's worked with you and what was the outcome because of that partnership, that coaching relationship when they came to you? Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to, this is a little bit off from that, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about this was, um, this happened just a couple of weeks ago. So I was actually sitting in a room with, uh, another friend of mine who does a lot of body language stuff. She actually does search and rescue stuff with, with dogs and works with police departments and things like that. And we we're sitting in a room and she was actually, um, and a canine officer came into the room with her, with her dog. And we were sitting there, we were all talking and, in the process of just this conversation, it came up that this officer has this actually a sheriff's deputy. She has a lot of trouble sleeping and it came up that she had this trauma that was actually where a, an uncle had actually murdered his brother's wife and the, and the daughter. So the young daughter that was like six years old, right? So huge trauma. And she was one of the responders that was on this. So she actually had to, even though she didn't have children of her own, actually had to be part of the scene of, right? So horrific, horrific, horrific thing. And it was a couple of years ago. And since then, she's had horrible nightmares, as you can imagine, right? And there's just a lot of things that for her, she's sitting there and she's, you know, she's, and every time she talks about it, she relives it, right? So she is fully feeling everything that's happened there. She can see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, hear it, all of those things, right? And we were talking about that and I'm like, all right. And I just went down just a series of a couple of questions and I, we hit on some of those feelings in some mind, control mind set way, whatever you want. I hate the word mindset, by the way, we'll talk about that. Like I physically like reached in and pulled this thing out of her. Right. So she identified it. She put a color to it and like all this. And I physically, like, I didn't like reach in and touch her. Like I'm sitting across the room, right. COVID. So I'm so I'm sitting and I like had her imagine that I pulled this thing out and like, you just see this wave of just like stuff relieve this relief from this lady this 
deputy sheriff's deputy. And then like a couple of days later, I had my friend message her and say, how are you sleeping? She's like, I have not slept that well for consecutive days for the three years since this tragedy, this trauma that's happened. Right. And all we did is we allowed her brain to process the fact that this happened. She dealt with it. And how do we, we disassociate the emotion from it. So that was just, that's like, that's not a normal client thing. That was an impromptu thing that I did for somebody because she was suffering. Yeah. I mean, wow. I, I, I want that just to set in real quick that if you're able to work with impromptu per se, and have that kind of an impact on someone that's been suffering for three years, just think of what, you know, uh, and I'm speaking to the listeners right now, think of what Ryan's able to do on something that is not as complex per se as the death, the murder of a, of, of a loved one. So just let that set in. And you had mentioned something in there about mindset. Um, I'd love for you to just kind of go down that a little bit further and explain what you were talking about when you're just like, yeah, mindset. Yeah, right. So yeah, mindset's one of those words, especially in the coaching world, it gets used a lot, right? So you've got to have a good mindset or a bad mindset. But I don't know if you noticed, but the brain doesn't work with like set. Like it doesn't like, you go like, here's the thing, here's the line in the sand and this is what we're going to do. It doesn't work that way. The the brain likes to ebb and flow and likes to, the mind likes to be able to change. And like, sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we're sad. There's the human mind and human brain doesn't work in just like in binary of we're on or we're off. It's good or it's bad. Doesn't work. We're going to constantly change here. You know, there's, there's things we have discussions with loved ones. We have, you know, whatever it is that's there where we're, you know, where we're good and we're happy. And some days we're sad. Some days you just work, walk, wake up and you just don't feel as good. Right. Well, that's not about the fact that I have a mindset. Oh, I set my mind. So that means that I'm going to do it. I think linguistically in the way we think about things, whenever I put a, a draw line in the sand in the brain, it's goes, ha, watch this. And it's, it's going to prove a point to you. you know that it, there is, like you just right. said, there's no set. You had also talked a little bit about taking the emotion out of an action or taking the emotion out of something that had happened. I mean, for me personally, I wear my emotion on my sleeve and sometimes I wish that just was not the case. So, I mean, like, geez, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but like kind of work through on how someone's able to take the emotion out of an action and an intention or something that's happened, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's, it's really two parts. So when we have something, say say it's a trauma, right? So in and that could be anything, right? It could be the fact that you uh, failed a quiz in middle school, right? That could be that just as silly as that may sound to most people, that could be a trauma to somebody, right? Versus the, you know, having other childhood traumas of abuse or whatever that may be, right? So those are all traumas, but they're in different ways. When that trauma happens, the easiest way to describe it is like our our mind just takes a snapshot of what that is and what it feels like, all of the senses that are happening around the trauma. You don't remember everything that happened in your childhood, but you remember emotions and feelings and all those things. So good or bad, it's like a snapshot of what that looks like. But then what it does is it, it looks through life. Every time you go through something, it says, wait, does this look like that? Oh, wait, it kind of looks like that. It may not be exactly, but we need to 
We need to make you feel the same way that that was so that we can protect you. And that's the emotion that's attached to the memory. So if it's the memory thing that we need to protect us, it's not the emotion necessarily, right? So it's the, what I want to do is I want to separate the emotion and the, and the memory. The memory is there to protect you. You get mugged walking down a dark alley, right? So therefore you don't walk down a dark alley anymore. But if you see a dark alley on a TV screen, you don't want that emotion and all of that trauma and all that stuff to come back, right? So the memory is there, but I don't need all the emotion. I don't need to feel the anxiety of seeing a dark alley on a picture or on a TV screen or any of those things. So separate those, process the emotion, let it go because there's no time and space for it in the brain and let the memory do its thing. Yeah. No, I appreciate, again, you know, you've, We've kind of gone a little bit deeper in some of the things, but uh, when you have someone uh, of your caliber and expertise, it's, I want people to hear, you know, what it is they're able to get out of that. And Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of myself selfishly. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm digging everything you're saying over here. So, all right, we're getting a little bit closer to the end here. Um, Typically on our solo shows, uh, we, we talk about the pillars of success. And I think there's a lot of different ingredients that it takes to be successful. Um, mentorship, coaching, experimentation, partnerships, willingness to fail. And on mm-hmm. the flip side, willingness to succeed. Because when you define success, you in essence define what failure is. Right. What do you feel is a key ingredient when it comes to being successful? Yeah, I think the big part is not being stuck in... Uh, and inflexible on the way that you are going to achieve that success, right? So it's the the journey portion of it. Maybe it's something that, okay, something happens and I was going to be successful in this one thing, but something, whatever changed it. And I now need to pivot and take that experience of what I've had and now put it into a new direction. So the ability to be flexible and go, all right, this no longer applies to where, where I want to go. I've learned a new bit of information, right? So the most people get stuck in a paradigm of whatever it is that they think success looks like. And if they don't achieve it, they're going to get, they're going to have failure along that because they haven't achieved that specific thing. How do I take that, pivot it and figure out what my new success looks like? Yeah, no, I was just so many good things here. I'm still wrapping my head around what you just said there. And then also separating emotion from experience and memory. So Typically when, you know, times are good, it's easy to be successful, but you know, the world is still feeling the squeeze. And I think ingenuity and creativity really come out of those moments in life. What are you working on right now? That's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you. Uh, man, there's so many things. I, I, I never like sit down to think about all the things. Cause it just, it's so organic for, for me. Um, yeah, I think just for me, the thing that over the next 12 months is continuing to invest in the relationships of the people that I that I work with, that I am in the masterminds with, that I have gone back and need to reconnect from previous masterminds and previous business things. That connection of those people are the, the things that help me to grow. And another certification is probably it's a might be a base of information, but it's not the thing that's really going to help me to grow. It's the people that help me to grow. Yeah, it is. It's the people around us. You know, mm-hmm. they might not be in the same industry, but the the cards that we hold in our hand are so intricate because you can plug and play tiny little things 
that have made them successful or a, a, a landmine that they've stepped on to avoid for yourself, even if they're in different industries. And that's the power of a mastermind. And that's the power of the people that you choose to be around. Yep. So I think a lot of people get stuck in stay, trying to stay within their own little industry, right? So look outside of your industry and learn from those people because there are some really, really intelligent people that have some great experiences outside of your industry. Go look at them and find them and, and use them to grow too. Yeah. I mean, and I can tell you, I, uh, I, I stayed inside my industry for so long and, uh, and just sheltered myself because I need to be around the same people so I can understand the same thing. And I can tell you probably over 90% of my network, my friends, the people that I'm around have nothing to do with directly something that I've built, excluding the success finder. So that one is growing, but I'm still not in that industry of coaching and masterminds. I'm just surrounding myself with those smarter people because of the impact that it's able to make personally and professionally. So right. uh, one last thing, what is a tip, a tactic, an actionable item? that if someone listening to this implemented it over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they'd see real impact on their personal or business life. So we, we've talked about books early on. Um, and with books, I think what most people do is they're like, hey, I'm going to go read 100 books this, this year. I'm going to read 20 books over the next whatever time. No, instead of reading, trying to figure out how many books I can read, pick one book and like digest it, read a page, read a section, read something and go and implement it versus just trying to absorb it and just read it and go, Hey, I know this because I read it in the book. Go again. If you, if you pick up, I don't know, Chris Voss's book, um, right. So the never split the difference. There is so much stuff in there on negotiation stuff. Most people are going to read it and then they take it and they put it aside, think that they have it. There's so much stuff in there. You need to read it, slow down, think it, and just take that section and go implement it. Go, go integrate it in your life and then do the same thing and then do the same thing. If you can take somebody's life experience and integrate it versus just read it, it's a game changer. Yeah, it's so important. Uh, if you're able to take that information, like you said, and implement it, you know, someone that we've interviewed before, it's one of the ways, at least how I understood it, he called it the intention intervention gap. It's like, okay, so I read something great, but how can I actually plug and play and make that meaningful to what I'm doing around me? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. We have got the founder of the advisor, Ryan Smith. Ryan, thank you so much for what you have instilled on us today and, and your time. Thank you so much, Ryan. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing The Mastermind Effect.